of hurry. But it doesn't count towards the Deadpool. Fear sale search, avian bev tanks. What the fuck? And a sneak peek into what on-premise could look like for breweries this summer. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the basically the first part of your brewery recreation program. Just play this podcast, uh, look at yourself with contempt while pouring your own beer, sit next to a cardboard cutout of a dude with a trucker hat and a handlebar mustache, and pretend they're just too cool to speak to you, and it's basically like being back in your favorite tap room. I'm Jeremy Jones, and back with me in the beer cave... Thank you! ...for his return, Tyler Zimmerman. Hey, it's good to see you not on a fucking screen. <laughs> I know. We'll save our one-on-one cam sessions for more private audiences. Uh, no, it's good to be back. Uh, glad we decided to get back. We assessed the wrist and figured if churches can come back, Jeremy says Jesus enough that we can come back. I, you know, I, I basically, every time I blaspheme, I think that gets us, that, that basically, that's basically like clearing your system. I mean, yeah. it's, it's basically fine. I mean, it's it, we're it's relaxing here in Idaho, so I figure two people in a room separated by a table is fine. We are going to have to like wait a few more weeks for our makeout sessions. But, yes, but uh, but that that's was expected. That was always a special section of the podcast that the few paying members had to like. Uh, that's a premium uh, monthly subscription. So you know, inquire within. And it really wasn't part of the. It, it's all beer pocket. It's a weird fetish thing. Actually, don't ask. This, <laughs> it's you know. All, all you need to know, hey, so what are we drinking today? That's uh, not at all awkward. <laughs> also, gotta rate that uh, intro. I give it a B plus. Okay. It was awesome. Why only a B plus? I thought it was, I, I thought it was A material. I mean, it, it was, it was one of those things that started out like, where is he going with this? It was like a little mini story. Where is he you, going with You could have painted a better picture of a bar scene in your house. That's where I give, would have gave you the A for that. Okay, well, you know what? You come up with these. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, no, you actually brought a couple different beers for us to drink today. Uh, the first one that we're drinking is from Warfield Brewing out of Ketchum, Idaho. Their Ketchum Kolsch German Ale. Um, I'm always, I'm always, I always approach a German style beer brewed in the United States with a little bit of skepticism <laughs> because um, what tends to happen is that they tend to be overhopped. I have to say, I was pleased to find out this isn't. Um, it has that like nice, it has a nice clean flavor, little touch of honey, kind of a grainy aroma. The only thing I'm a little bit, uh, uh, not too sold on is the head retention's a bit shit. Yeah, and on the bottle it just says organic malts, two row, and carapils. I'm like motherfucker, add more carapils. You could throw whack a little bit more carapils in there. It's just, but I mean, yeah, it's a nice, refreshing, light. Drinkable German style ale. I said it's got that like slightly sweet, kind of honey like flavor that I kind of look for. Really good balance. I, you know, and I'm not getting, I'm, I'm getting enough hops to balance that. A little like grassy, spicy hops, but I mean, they're there just for the balance. I'm not getting anything hoppy. So, you know, yeah. Uh, B plus, Warfield. B plus. I would say my biggest knock on it is I want it just a little bit more crisper. Yeah, it, it does have like a little bit of ale fruitiness on yeah, there. and a smidge too much sweetness for my preference, but still a very crushable, delicious beer. I think if you put it up against uh, like a classic Kolsch, col- like a, a Rodenbra, um you'd find out. Yeah, it could be a little bit drier, but I it's it's in it's kind of in the in the same wheelhouse as a good Kolsch. So I'll you know again B plus. Yeah, it's in the meaty part of the bell curve right there. <laughs> So we've got some 
Breaking news, kind of. Not really. It's a couple days old. Uh, Paps Brewing has agreed to, and Molson Coors have reached an agreement for Paps to buy Molson Coors' California Brewery. I got a point on the board. Yes. No. Yes. Come on. No. Pops bought a brewery. <laughs> they bought a quit brewing equipment. So, little backstory on this. So, go ahead and tell us a story. So, Pops Brewing for the longest time has been contract brewed. The only people there are two companies really big enough to contract brew for them with their volume. That is ABMBev, who doesn't contract brew, and Molson Coors, formerly known as Miller Coors. I guess I was only faintly aware that, I mean, I, now that you mention it, I, someone had told me at one point in time that Paps was pretty much completely contract brewed. Yep. And I was kind of, oh, that's weird, but I forgot about that till just now. And last summer there was a big fiasco where uh, they actually took Miller Coors to court because Miller Coors was threatening, was talking about shutting down uh, that brewery brewing facility because they they claimed they didn't produce enough to justify its capacity in keeping it open. Pabst accused that they were trying to shut it down to basically put Pabst out of business because no one else could really fulfill that contract role for them in that quick of a turnaround. So, fast forward a couple months, uh, the contract or the court case rules that no, you still gotta uphold the contract brewing. Um, and there was talks that oh hey you know well we may just sell you the brewery, just so we don't have to deal with paying all those people there, keeping the lights on, keeping everything running. Maybe we'll just sell it to you and then you don't have to worry about us contract brewing anymore. I mean, the, the, as I understand it, they basically the the ruling was. So you know how you how it's called contract brewing. You you signed a contract that said you're gonna you know brew this beer for X amount of months, and you're short of that. I and mean, that's kind of the yeah, basically the the, the gist of it. Just about okay. So, um, and the article that I saw on Brewbound talks about this. Uh, it's in Ir- Irwindale, California. Uh, they filed with the SEC to make sure. Uh, that it passes any antitrust because you got two big corporations changing products. Um, Fair. But with this here, a um, little back, little bit more information on the backstory. It said effective September twenty. 20- so, in January, Molson Coors announced plans to cease production at the 40-year-old brewery effective September 2020. As part of an agreement, Paps had 120 days to choose to buy the facility for $150 million. Uh, that arrangement followed the lawsuit between the two brewers, mm-hmm. as we talked about, uh, and when they reached a settlement case in November. Um, so, with this here... There's a couple reasons why this doesn't count for our Deadpool. For one, the talks had started and an offer had been tendered before we started our Deadpool. Okay. Two, they're just buying the dirt, the building, and the equipment 
And when we were originally doing this, we were talking about buying the brewery, so that includes IP revenue. It was we were we were talking brewery acquisition. So I so I, you're right. I only get like a half a point. No, you don't get any <laughs> points. We're ball zero zero, motherfucker. I think if we get to December, um, and both of us are still zero, I get a half a point and I win just because Pat, what one of my one of my uh, acquiring brewery was breweries was even mentioned. Which is in in terms of an acquisition. Tell you what, if no one gets a, <laughs> anything for the rest of the year, I will give you the pseudo victory. You heard it here first. So technically, I'm in the lead. No, <laughs> that's like the tiebreaker. Still counts, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like you were the slightly taller midget. <laughs> I am the tallest midget ever. So much so that I don't even look like it. <laughs> uh, but. Not a ton of other details come, kind of coming through uh, with this here. It's a lot of just talking about the lawsuit um, and how many people that place employs and a little bit about each brand. So we'll find out some more, uh, but it has been agreed, has to be approved through the SEC and... We'll see if Paps finally starts making their own beer again. I mean, the, the there, 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 there's a the part that I'm weirdly like, kind of like, yay, that Paps can actually, there's <laughs> actually going to be a Paps brewery for the first time in God how, knows how long. I was going to say, how, how many years? Since the original Paps family was yeah. alive. So that's. Since they won that blue ribbon. <laughs> the 18 something World's Fair, yeah. Where, and where Budweiser was also a crowned king of beers. By Budweiser. <laughs> In the re-vote by their scientists that they hired. There's a whole... If, you, if, if you're if you ever... A few of you people are still on, under lockdown. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for some reading material, go look at... It's... I, I want to say it's the... It's the... Actually, the... The 1809 World's Fair. Um... Where I mean, it's the it, it's the it, it's the it's where they got the it's where they allegedly got the blue ribbon or the past blue ribbon, but it, it was a glorious clusterfuck. It's like one of the first beer competitions in American history, and it was just so horribly run and such a cluster. And we're actually still living with the uh, the effects of it today. Eighteen ninety three. Eighteen ninety three. I had an eighteen and a nine in there, so <laughs> so <laughs> I was you know. Had, At the Chicago's World Fair. Correct. I knew it was the Chicago's World Fair, but... Technically, it was called something different back then, but... But, there you go. If you're looking for some reading material, it's it's an interesting read. Um, there's It's actually covered in uh, in a book I got, uh, Ambitious Brew, the uh, the History of American Brewing. Another, you know, so a good book if you're, like, looking for, a, looking for a good read. Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? All right. The cake is a lie news now. Um, so, since uh, COVID pretty much ruined everything and we've been left with two types of beer news, um, those are laws that suck and numbers about how shitty things are. Um, this is going to be one of the second one. Um, hmm. well, at least you're <laughs> alternating episodes on laws that suck <laughs> and shitty beer and news. Numbers, and numbers that make you want to die a little bit inside. Numbers that make the laws go... We could get worse. <laughs> um, no, I was, I was. Th- this is about this, but it's it's kind of, it's more of the evolving story 
about um, about what the effects of the pandemic are to uh, beer sales. So when I was looking through the internet this morning and bouncing between furry porn and beer news, <laughs> as I am wont to do, don't judge me. He just split screens it so he can look at both. <laughs> you know what? They're not mutually exclusive. You got fursuits and, uh, you know. Furry brewers. Yeah. Um, I came across an interesting article from Brewbound uh, by Jessica Infante, whose headline was, quote, with global volume declines of 9.3% in quarter one, Anheuser-Busch InBev examines spending promotions and new products. Not exactly a punchy headline. It pretty much covers everything in the article in one sentence. But it's a little surprising when you constantly see headlines in um, headlines like this one from CNN Beer Business, uh, where they're we're talking about you know that say basically sales of you know sales of are soaring and these brands are winning the booze battle. An article that stated that Bud Light sales have written, risen by forty four percent since the virus took hold. Damn. So at this point in time, I, along with anybody else who's been paying attention to this shit, is must be wondering what the fuck is going on. If now the now the uh, the article talked about how volume declines are nine point three percent, which means they're producing producing nine point three percent less product. But when you're looking at a company of Anheuser's Busch size, that's pretty remarkable. Where that's you know that's you know tens of millions of barrels of beer. Yeah, that are just not being produced anymore, and actually their revenue for quarter one was thir- around thirteen um, million or thirteen billion, uh, versus this time last year, or sorry, they're eleven billion versus about this time last year when they were thirteen billion. So two billion in the hole. So not good. No. Um. So I was kind of wondering. All right. So you keep on seeing these. Uh, and we've been talking about this a lot, where basically we've been speculating that that you know we we're mostly of course focused on the craft beer aspect and how it's affecting them. And my assumption, laboring up to uh, up to this point, has been, well, the big guys are just raking it in, right? Because you know where you where where your your craft breweries are struggling to sell enough beer out of their tap rooms in the form of growlers and beers to go. Um, you, you know, it's not enough. You need a presence in the supermarket, which is basically where beer sales are happening now and bigger packages are selling more. And so that means your 30 racks of cores and bud are just flying off the shelves, which has got to mean something, but apparently not as much as you might think. Now, um, first we got to talk about the fact that this is not all the COVID. The first quarter only covers March or covers uh, uh, until March thirty first. So it's kind of that first little bit, but it also takes into account international markets that got hit with it Correct. earlier, and their revenues are based on the so, international game. And so obviously, um, so obviously they saw big dips in China, which is. Um, first of all, there uh, apparently uh, Anheuser Busch is fairly new in the Chinese market. Yeah, I remember seeing articles that they had just recently launched mm-hmm. within the last nine months. Right, um, and so they they actually saw a little dip in China. I want to say it was like in the article it was like four percent. Okay, um, so a little dip there, but to be expected. Um, dip in European sales. 
Um, it really, in the United States, the uh, it, it, we of course didn't see you know major effects of uh, the pandemic until about mid March, and of course, and in a lot of major metropolitan areas, April. Right, um, and so, and of course, March was a terrible month for AB and Bev, but. First of all, I think we need to talk about a little some some of the current trends they're already facing going into this quarter. Um, they haven't been doing great, to be honest, and I'm saying this with more than a little bit of Schadenfreude. <laughs> um, AB InBev has actually I take a moment to look at their financials. AB InBev's stock has actually fallen quite a lot over the last five years, and their uh, their uh, um, their income is, I mean, they're basically their sales have been more or less stagnant over the past 10 years or more. And you look at, you know, you, you look at their, like a financial graph of 10 years, you see tiny gains, you see small losses, but you know, you take, I feel like you take an average, you're basically saying AB InBev has been stagnant yeah. since about 2000. There was a, there was a big gain in 2008. There's some big gains in 2008, and I'm guessing if if there's a chart that went further back, you're seeing you know um, you're seeing a, a gains up until 2008, where you start seeing much smaller gains and losses. I, I would say once they hit kind of that 51 percent of the American beer market, they kind of just plateaued off from there. And so, um, and that would have been early 2000 area, so. right? Um, and as so as a mark as the market has become more diverse. Their top brand, namely Budweiser, we know has fallen sharply. They went, you know, I mean, their production of Budweiser has dropped by something along the lines of 40 to 50% from its height in 1990, something or yeah. other. Um, the market has become more diverse. Um, Bud Light is now the, by far their, their biggest brand, although it has... It has fallen hugely as of last year, and you'll never guess why. Why? You know. <laughs> Starts with a white and ends with a claw. Oh, I know. <laughs> Art Seltzer. And of course... Everyone has fallen to the claw. But, I mean, and but AB InBev actually came out with their own hard seltzer this year, as you may They've remember. They've came out with a lot of... <clears throat> they have... Especially lately, I've been helping in a lot of grocery stores doing resets. Their hard seltzer fucking skews are almost as many as White Claw has. Because and, you have three different natural light hard seltzers. Right. You have all the Bud Light seltzer skews. So mm -hmm. your variety pack, then like your four flavors. And then you have... Uh, they basically put a bullet in the head of Bon and Viv hard seltzer, but let's pour one out for Bon and Viv. Actually, let's never even think of them again. <laughs> um, it it's actually it, you know probably not terribly surprising. I mean, uh, the hard seltzer has been, despite playing catch up, um, the hard seltzer has has been okay. It's done um, up to this point sixty million in sales, um, which is good until you. Find out that White Claw did forty million the last week of April. <laughs> uh, so funny enough, you bring this up. Uh, I saw I screenshotted a tweet from Good Beer Hunting Sightlines. Uh, through April twenty six, White Claw has already made fifty three percent of twenty nineteen's 
whole year dollar sales in chain grocery convenience and liquor stores, selling $517 million worth of product from January 1 through April 26. Y'all went home and bought all the hard seltzer and have been sitting there drinking that shit. Don't lie to me, people. You've been, t- you've been telling me you've been drinking beer. You've been telling me you're drinking liquor. You are all drinking White Claw. Quit lying to me. And Truly has sold $191 million, 46% of their last year's haul. I mean... And these numbers aren't counting any bars and restaurants that sold their product basically before they got shut down. Or any independent mom-and-pop grocery stores. Um... So I mean, what what we're, I mean, just so I think the 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 real answer is, despite AB InBev's adorable attempt to try to compete with White Claw, it's not going great. And um, you know, so they were going into 2020 with uh, some situations that probably had uh, uh, some AB InBev AB InBev execs, uh, you know, dumping in their pants. Um, and you know, but. That being said, March hit especially hard. April and May are not especially promising either. That's where we have to come back to COVID. And that then we actually do, you know, have to ask the question, you know, where a certain amount of this was, I think, going... I I, I think it's reasonable to assume that AB InBev was going to be down for the first quarter of 2020. Regardless. It um, was how much. Yeah, but I don't think they were talking a couple of billion in sales, and I don't think they were talking ten percent of their, of their, uh, uh, their uh, production. Yeah, and just to backtrack a little, where you were talking about how you saw the CNN article talking about Bud Light being up forty four percent. AB, as we just went over, is such a diverse company, where they own eight, nine craft breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they own a it? bunch of import brands. They're all their seltzer lines. Uh, their main premium domestic beer, and then below premium domestic beer like Bush, Natty, uh, all that. And then you got your Michelob and all that. And so that one brand in the states may have been up, but nat- globally it may have been. But actually, down I, I, and then. Yeah, you take a couple percent loss on your craft brands, a couple percent loss on your blow premium, and all of a sudden you're down nine percent. Um, the article from CNN I read also mentioned Bush and uh, Michelob and Michelob Ultra being up uh, significantly. Um, I mean, but you're right; they're such a diverse company. So, I mean, they own a shit ton of European brands. Bex comes to mind. Less. Stella, no, they own Stella. They own Stella. They own Stella. There's one, yeah, and um, Lef. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, Lefe. Lefe. Yeah. Um, so I, and yeah, I mean, go look at a chart of everything that AB InBev owns, and it's pretty staggering. Um, so, I mean, you're right. We're talking about a huge multinational corporation. And, you know, during a worldwide pandemic, never mind, you know, the, the market they were looking at. Yeah. Um, it's, you, you, it's, it's hard to, uh, it, it's hard to wrap your mind around the scope of what they what they uh, of their entire business yeah um but it did have me there's one part of one part about this that though that i i I, there are a couple things i wanted to like think about because first of all you know despite articles talking about how much um 
grocery stores are are booming. Um, we have to stop and realize that a lot of this is because bars closed. And uh, bars account for about, depending on the country, you know, about 40, about 40% in the United States, up to about 70% in, in countries like, uh, they mentioned Ethiopia and, and Italy. Okay. And Italy was basically shut the fuck down all March. And yeah, Italy pretty much, you know, was... No, did yeah. not exist for the month of March. <laughs> so, but, I mean, when you essentially, I, I think we have to take a moment to realize the full scope. And as much as we've talked about how people are drinking more, there's there's got to be something you got to ask about draft itself because there's a couple of things. Um, draft strikes me as a cheaper. You, you get a better you get a better margin across the board, and you have more volume. Right. Where, so just to break it down. A half barrel, so your standard American keg, that's 15 and a half gallons, uh, is equivalent to about six, six and a half cases of 12 ounce cans. So, when, for each keg they lost, basically they had to add seven cases of beer sold through a grocery store of that same beer. And that difference didn't translate right and of course and, and then you don't even factor in the extra materials costs for that cans for, boxes cans box yeah so you're actually adding quite a bit quite a lot of money to produce those um loss and um and uh and and of course i mean i don't know if the i don't know if the brewery sees as much benefit as this as as you know bars do but i mean you pay significantly more for a glass of beer than uh than you do for a can of beer um again that's more a markup that benefits the individual bars yes but i but maybe you can shed some light on this you know there's is there a that strikes me with the lack of materials cost that there's a benefit there for the brewery so like are you trying trying to decipher what you said is there i mean if you take i mean is there a better markup for the brewery on draft yes 100 percent. okay so i mean it's you have this one cake shell yes of course you're gonna have some get lost some not get returned but that costs you let's say on the ab and scale let's say it costs 50 bucks for them to buy Oh Jesus Christ! I mean, well, I mean, on the AB InBev scale, a keg of beer costs. I think no, no, no. The actual keg shell for them to buy originally. Oh, the keg! I think they produce them. But let, let's say they have to buy it for fifty bucks. <laughs> okay. And they get there's like twenty bucks worth of there's well there's no there's like there's like forty bucks worth of steel in those sons of bitches. Yeah. So so let's say it costs them fifty bucks to get. Right. And they're able to. Use that keg a hundred times. Sure, you're. It's a couple bucks where all those cans are five cents a can, and you're having to do. You've got that higher margin per pour, right? 
Um, so, I mean, yeah. It, and then the question, so that almost, make, I started thinking about this then, you know, um, because we're watching, you know, we're watching, you know, the, the grocery stores, you know, we're watching a lot of volume go through grocery stores, Cra- you know, craft beer, even if they have good access to shelf space at grocery stores, still suffering. Um, because, you know, as they, you know, as they, as they say, you know, we're just, we're not making as much money off, you know, we're not making yeah. as much money per gallon of beer that we would on draft, especially mm-hmm. in craft beer when you can sell it directly out of your tap room. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, you know, a beer, a beer that costs you, you know, spitballing here, you know, a few, you know, 50 cents a gallon to make. Or let's call it a buck a pint and you're selling it for $6 a pint. There's a $5 profit there. Right. I mean that's it doesn't cost even a dollar to make a pint, but you know I'm factoring in labor costs. Let's overhead. Let's just throw that. Yeah. Yeah, let's that's as good a number as any because you know math is hard and I don't like it. But so, yeah, you know. Um, so basically, 120 pints at let's call it five dollar profit. There's now now add you know add the six hundred dollars. Yeah, now add the can and add the you know maintenance costs for a canning line, and then you know the the fact that you're you're the, you have that a wholesaler in between you and the consumer. Um, so knock thirty percent off there. Uh, yeah, and then and so I guess where I started going is like we are we've we're we're pretty well indoctrinated to the idea of that we I mean I'm gonna and this is where I'm gonna bring it back to craft. We're pretty well indoctrinated to the idea that you go out beer cost. Five dollars a pint, or yeah, we, six. Yeah. We, we we you know uh, uh, Tyler uh, uh, showed me a chart. It's on our uh, it's on our Twitter. I actually did do the thing. Oh I, nice! I did a thing. I did a thing. I said I was going to do it. and I did it. Yeah, I think like San Francisco averaged like seven forty a pint. Basically, so five to seven bucks. Basically, it's a chart that uh, was uh, the the average per pint um, at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, Per you know area of the country, so you know go check area that out. of the world. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but um, but we, you know, but overall, we're pretty indoctrinated to say, okay, you go out to a bar, you're paying five bucks a pint, you're paying that for you know not for the privilege of being able to drink a beer in not, the bar, you know, not have to clean up anything, not have to clean up anything. Someone gives it to you. There are other people there. The possibility of having good conversation or getting laid. Who you know, whatever, uh, and uh, you know, on the downsides, you have to wear pants in most places, depending on the place. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so but uh, but you go to a but you go get a six pack. You know, your average craft beer six pack, ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, and there's about three beers. There's seventy two ounces yeah. in a six pack of twelve ounce cans. So more so, than that, four beers. Yep, you got about four beers. So you can't get you can't get you know it's well over twice as expensive to go drinking out, which I think nobody who goes out would even doubt for a second. They go, yeah, it's yeah. You know, it's, I know it's cheaper to drink at home. Oh yeah. I prefer the interaction with the people and the environment, which is and which is you know this is which you're you're going yeah that's you're 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 missing the point. I'm um, paying for the atmosphere. Yeah, um, you know none of this surprises anybody. But what I'm where, where I'm kind of going with this is like, does draft has does draft and has draft been subsidizing cheaper um, uh, packaged beers for a while, and do you see that changing in the long run? Especially if this becomes worse, if this gets worse. I I do think it has been subsidizing. 
but I don't see it changing because the American consumer may bitch and moan that they want American-made products or different shit like that, but at the end of the day, they care about the almighty dollar. The the meaty part of the bell curve does. Yeah. And so if it I've been there and beer has the low brow stigma and so they expect packaged beer to be cheaper than the draft equivalent. And they expect it to be cheaper than wine. I at one of the breweries I worked for, I was doing a good uh, road show up at Costco here in the Treasure Valley. Hand selling the bottles you're not able to sample Costco policy, uh, and I was sent, I had a barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout, twelve and a half percent. And I mean, you're standing there from open to close for two full days. Jesus Christ! At Costco, sounds tr- awful. Trying to hand sell this. I mean, that sounds like a that sounds like craft beer hell. <laughs> oh, it it was, but when you then sell fifteen cases of a. And Costco is selling each one of those bottles for $12 a bottle, and you hand sell 15 cases. Fair. It It's a good feeling, but I had so many people come up and be like, 12 bucks for one bottle? That's expensive. And I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, why? And I'm like, you see that? I was like, how much did that bottle of wine in your cart cost you? Oh, this was 20 bucks. What's the alcohol percentage on it? Uh, 8%. Okay, this is 12.5%, and that's a 750-milliliter bottle, which is about, like, 24 ounces or somewhere in there. Yeah. I was like, this is a 22-ounce bottle of 12.5%. Would you blink at a bottle of wine that tasted delicious and cost you $12? No? Take the bottle. (laughs) Oh, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. I'll take two. And it's... So people still have in their mind that, Packaged beer is cheap. Well, and uh, but I mean, the reason I kind of even like was thinking that because I mean, we've already sort of kind of crested the first hill, which was I mean, when the first major roadblock to craft beer was this whole idea that what you know that why would I want to pay you know ten bucks for this six pack when you know Budweiser is five bucks a six pack and it gets me just as drunk. Um, and the, we, and the answer is because this doesn't taste like horse urine filtered through a dumpster. And it'll get you drunker because it's higher alcohol. (laughs) Uh, I mean, depending on, depending on it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, also it's tends to be a little slightly higher octane, but you know, you know, more to the point, we, we sort of kind of crested that hill where we were able to educate the consumer going, no, 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 no shit. It really is worth an extra 4 or $5 to be able to drink this, get a little bit drunker, and not hate yourself. But, and I think a lot of breweries are going to be reevaluating their business model when things do start coming back to normal because I think a lot of the breweries that relied heavily on on-premise, so selling it through their tap room, and on-premise selling it in bars and restaurants, and did like, oh, yeah, we have a couple SKUs in this one grocery store, but really don't deal with anything. Are right now going, well, shit. Like, we should have had SKUs in all those grocery stores, and then we'd be a little better off. And so I think we're going to see kind of... I think we're going to see a craft explosion and package in stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I don't know if that price is going to dip. Or if that price is going to increase. Yes. Uh, because I mean, push comes to shove, you've got your big boys like your Sierra Nevada. They're not going to jump their price. I mean, one of the best-selling beers um, when I worked at a grocery store was actually New Belgium's um, Imperial Voodoo IPA mm-hmm. um, because it's 9%, and it was line-priced with every other craft beer. So $9.99. Um, uh, the store I was working at even was was doing less than that. They were doing that most of their uh, most of their craft beer was I want to say seven ninety nine. Okay, I think it jumped a little because I've I've moved that one yeah, around yeah. Okay. working in the stores the last couple weeks. At I least... want to say it's like nine ninety nine. Okay, right now. I mean the the point is is that it was line priced with every other like I mean they they basically this was like you're was... within ten cents. Yeah, I mean you basically had that was like the floor for craft beer. You had a few that were more. Um, a few that are a little lower, but a few. But I mean, that was basically you. You go through the you go through most of the shelves, and like I'd say sixty percent or more were this price. Yep, um, seven ninety nine. Or well, I think actually you might be right. I mean, there's nine ninety nine, but they really they had a lot of sales that were seven ninety nine. Yeah, if you buy like two six packs, you'll get like four dollars off. Right. So. But the point. But the the thing was is that the you know this Imperial IPA, it's nine percent had. Bunch of people always grab it because oh my god it's nine percent it's gonna get me fucked up. Yep. <laughs> no, and so you'll still have those big players that aren't gonna bump their price. I mean that's a brilliant market. I mean that's a oh. brilliant strategy if you if can, you can afford it. If you can afford it, and when you're new at, at New Belgium's uh, uh, size, especially when you got that sweet sweet Kieran money coming in, <laughs> <laughs> you can afford to you know eat the extra the cost of the extra grain if I mean, just in sheer, in sheer volume. Yeah. It pays for itself then, but and so yeah, you'll the smaller breweries that are getting into package or in package right now, uh, trying to you know boost their sales a little, aren't got maybe able to go up a little, but they're not going to be able to jump up enough to offset keg, right? So. And and so it got me thinking about so now I mean we're getting. We're, it's it's interesting to note now, you know, because we had a lot of assumptions going in, and we're and debt is still coming in. We're getting a clearer picture. One thing I just thought of, yeah. Uh, one thing that we haven't even brought up is we've been talking a lot about package in stores versus pint in tap room. Mm-hmm. We haven't brought up package through tap room because mm-hmm. a lot of breweries at least here in the valley have still been able to stay open for takeout and delivery right so you can sell the kegs through your tap room you can sell your six pack of cans and let's say you sell your six pack of can for 10 bucks and normally you'd sell it for trying to do some back of the notebook math in my head right now you saw it for you'd probably saw it too i managed a wholesaler for about half that five yeah five six somewhere in there yeah that sounds about right five 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 or six dollars so that you know because they need to make because they need to bump it up to they need to bump it up to about i mean well let's see um you know uh, let's, let's talk cases because you because you know yes. a, a, a a case of craft beer is pretty reliably from a wholesale about 30 bucks um give or take yeah give you're or take. selling the retailer is buying it between six and seven dollars. Right. So, you're you're selling it thirty percent less if you have a distributor 
to them. But so let's say you're selling it for five dollars just to make math easy. Oh, yeah. So you're selling five dollars for a six pack, but if you sell it through your tap room, it's ten, and it costs you the same to make both six packs. You're just making an extra five dollars now. People all over the country sitting in their cars going, are they fucking doing math right now? This is not okay. <laughs> I don't... Get, write that down. I think they're full of shit. Write that down and I'll do the math when I get to wherever the fuck I'm going. Where am I even going? Why am I driving this car? Should I still be in lockdown? I don't know. <laughs> what is even happening right now? Fuck um, the government. <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving in a circle around the Capitol to show them I don't like it. Rabble, <laughs> <laughs> rabble. I shot in my own sink last night. I don't know why. My toilet works just fine. <laughs> but it's because of the COVID. <laughs> well, I think we need another beer before we continue on. What do we got, Jeremy? Um, So I picked this one up by uh, uh, Black Raven. It's their Kitty Cat Blues. Um, This one uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, caught my attention because it's a pale ale... Infused with um, uh, with with uh, dried blueberries and vanilla. My question to you is: This a born on date or a kill date? Um, that's a good question. I feel like it's got a. It just came into the distributor, so I'm guessing that's a uh, a, a born on. Because if it was a kill date, I was gonna bitch slap you, Jeremy. But <laughs> um, I mean, given how much we've been going through beer, and you know, we've been killing it in package. Um, and the, the fact that this just came into the wholesaler, um, uh, that's gotta be a brood on date. Okay. And I hate, I love when people put witty shit on the bottom, but also put born on or for, so for the record, best before, uh, so black Raven out of, um, Redmond, Washington said that they're on the, on the bottom of their can. It says perfect as of May 2nd, uh, 2020. April 2nd. Or April 2nd, excuse me. So um, I'm assuming it was perfect as it got was ready the, to be canned. That but, is, a, But that is a little bit ambiguous, because if I saw that, I'm like, okay, that's adorable. Was it brewed then, or was it fucking, or is that the, or is that when it goes bad? Because, you know, it's a little bit ambiguous. I'm going with brewed on, but, you know, um, you're, you're adorable, uh, uh, you're adorable Black Raven, just a little bit less adorable. Yep, it tastes it I smell blueberries. Yep. I smell vanilla. That tastes like what would happen if you um took blueberry muffins, sprinkled them with hops, and uh then ate them. Yeah. Well, there's some hibiscus in there too. Is there? I don't get any hibiscus. And it's I think of... I get a little at the back end. But because I was like, I can't put my finger on what that is. And then I was like, "Well, time to look at the can." And <laughs> okay, you know, yeah, like a little bit on the back, that little, that sweet floral, yeah, that almost like citrusy flavor that hibiscus has, yeah. So, all right, Tyler, you got a couple of. Uh, Did we need to finish up something? I was pretty that? much. I mean, we. I mean, we can continue to speculate on uh, on on. I mean, my like. I mean, kind of point. I guess the last thing I did kind of want to touch on. Um. And I started. I started getting into it. Like now that we have a better idea of what what this actually meant, not only for craft beer, but the industry as a whole. I think it's interesting. But um, we're at a stage where you know here in Idaho and around the country, 
you know, um, the restrictions are being aren't being laxed, um, and a lot of breweries are uh, very much looking forward to being able to serve at the location if they aren't already. Um, by where I'm looking at this is okay. There's always a chance, and depending on your news source, a good to a you know a a small to almost certain chance that there will be another flare up or something. I mean, this is the, you know the 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 COVID shitstorm is far from over, and me per, if you ask me, I feel like this is eye of the hurricane um, before we get you know the other side of the shitstorm. Prolonged closures. You know, we if we if let's assume that this was like the first taste of either we come back and then we get bitch slapped. Yeah, of like say prolonged closures. You know, what does that mean for the for the industry if no shit really? Not even the big I mean We don't have a summer of beer. I mean, let's let's just say that I mean you know you know, A B and Bev, you know, is walking funny because even they get it in the shorts. Um they're like, this is how it feels. Yeah, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if let's just assume that you know if, that group for a while, if speculate about a about a, a an industry landscape where grocery stores are your only outlet for the period for a period of six months or more. What does that look like for the industry? And I think the I think if AB InBev is suffering this much. And we don't even have April and May's data yet. I mean... I think everyone's hurting. Even your big craft guys like your Sierra Nevada, your New Belgium, which both of those have seen a huge explosion because people have gone back to kind of those comforting legacy brands. Yeah. Of those flagship beers. And like Sierra Nevada's hazy little thing. I can't remember the numbers, but I saw IRI data on it and it was fucking crushing mm-hmm. it was like the number one craft skew in all of america which is not surprising i mean it i mean it famously made vine pears um you know most important craft beer last year um and it is that i mean they did do something incredible make a self a shelf stable hazy ipa that is that decent. is good that is yeah i mean there there are definitely better ones out there but there are worse. There are a shit ton of worse ones. Yeah. And you, you know, I've, I've done that a couple of times, cracked a hazy little thing and still kind of marvel at like, I mean, it's, you, 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 you have kind of captured lightning in, in the in sense that you don't know how, you know, you do know how old it is, but you, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off and they even managed it. getting it through wholesalers, shipping companies, retailers, it's. This is the equivalent of like uh, taking a beautiful cake, um, you know, setting it through FedEx, and- yeah, and having it come out perfect on the other side, you know, and you know the and FedEx runs into you know a you know a dog shit hurricane. I was gonna say they drive through a snowstorm in Wyoming, yeah, hundred degree heat somewhere in Texas, and then a hurricane in Louisiana before it reaches its destination. I'm just saying that's a fucking well made fuck cake, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but I mean, but back to, I mean, it, the, the assumption was, listen, if you got a good, good, good grocery presence, you're going to be fine. But if the answer is not even a grocery presence going to save you, that's just going to delay the inevitable. I mean, is that what we're seeing? I mean, it very well, if this 
drags on where basically we have a summer without bars. Your grocery presence may keep you a f- alive long enough. You're you'll be crawling across no man's land, trying to survive. But if you can make it through that to the water tent, you'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, and you'll have a lot less competition on the other side. Fair but enough. It it'll keep you afloat and hopefully afloat enough. When things do come back, you'll be able to rebound. But we're going to see a lot of closures if this summer it drags on. Well, and that was the other part of the article is one of the big things that hurt. I mean, even even so far, um, like 20%, they'd expect 20% of their sales to be coming from events, even at this stage of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those aren't a thing. And so what it looked like when you're looking at summer, when... Probably closer to 25, 30. And AB InBev loses all the sporting events that would be going on. No revenue from those beer sales, any of the concerts they sponsor, or any any of the other mirage and just mountain of fucking things they sponsor and have beer at. The light at the end of the tunnel was the interesting thing they, they, they did mention the Brewbound article. Uh, we'll finish off with that, is that they're pulling back on a number of things they're doing. I mean, first of all, AB InBev's strategy on keeping up with the uh, evolving beverage market was just a, it was just shotgun effect. Like, keep throwing shit at the wall and eventually some of it will stick. They're kind of going, let's stop throwing so much <laughs> shit at the wall. And it let's, costs money to throw shit. It, it's, this is really expensive shit. Um, be, you know, it's, it's, so let's maybe, so they're, they're, they're stopping the, a lot of the development of new product and they're, and they're going to, it sounds like bring the ax down on a bunch of underperforming, essentially tests. You know, that's maybe where Bonaviv comes in where they're like, e- yeah, let's put a, let's put a bullet in that dog's head. Come tell, here, yeller. And tell the kids that it was, it's out on a farm somewhere. It's out dark. on a farm, but just under the dirt. But uh, <laughs> it got dark in a hurry. But uh, the uh, but the upside, I want to say, and, and I'll end with this: they're also scaling a, a, back a whole lot of like advertising and brand awareness because they say at this point in time, I you know that's kind of wasted money. Which hopefully that means we can avoid uh, too many more uh, bitchy uh, uh, craft beer advertisings. But then again, and also in. Quarter one, they dump a bunch of money every year into a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. And so when the sales started declining after that, it didn't look good. Yeah, it it, it, it doesn't. So, you know, I think that's... I'm, I'm hoping that uh, uh, that uh, uh, AB InBev's um, commercials get less obnoxious. But then again, maybe if they weren't so obnoxious, we wouldn't have decided to do this. So, True. This, so what we're doing now, this is your fault, AB InBev. <laughs> Well, up next, we're going to kind of stay on the trend of what some of these numbers might look like. Um, saw an article on the Brewers Association from their chief economist, Bart Watson, uh, talking about what on-premise will look like this summer for bars and restaurants, potentially. And they talk in this, you know, shit could change at a drop of a hat. We... From yeah. the get go, nobody knows anything, and we've been evolving what we what we know yeah. as it happens. So, what do we? They kind of broke this down, and it'll kind of reflect a little on two pieces: the policy piece and the consumer behavior piece. Uh, and the policy piece, 
you know, govern government uh, reopening when they'll allow restaurants, brew pubs, tap rooms, other hospitality businesses to reopen, and what's that going to look like? A lot of places that are either reopening or planning on reopening them soon have put some restrictions on the businesses. Um, and a lot of them have said, you know, it's not business as usual. Uh, our new normal is going to look good. Uh, they specifically mention Alaska in there where restaurants can take reservation only, no walk-ins. Seating is 25% of posted capacity. Jesus Christ. Uh, and... Some states are treating restaurants and bars differently. Idaho is one of them. Yep. Uh, and kind of the meaty part of the bell curve on capacity restrictions is 20 to 50% capacity is the max you can go. Uh, I know in Idaho it's 50% capacity, if I remember correctly, uh, for when you're opening. With this here... Uh, I kind of want to hop into the consumer behavior piece a little more. Uh, they brought up a survey of a thousand customers conducted by Data Central. Uh, it found 20% will absolutely dine in right away when restaurants reopen. That's fair. Uh, 39% will consider it, and 41% said no fucking way. <laughs> Please tell me that was the exact wording on the no. survey. <laughs> uh, I added the fucking. I mean,. If I would have wrote the survey, that's what it would say. Yep. Uh, and as you could expect, uh, it varied by age. Gen Z and millennials rising to 25 to thir- and 31% for absolutely getting back in there. So the younger generation, not as scared. Uh, only 10% are of boomers said they would absolutely be back in. Uh which makes more sense. This is a little more dangerous for older people. Yeah, but there's a weird... But the, the, the thing, you know, I mean, you know, risk of upsetting somebody with the politics. The politics of the pandemic are interesting to me. And I guess it wouldn't surprise me, given where boomers tend to fall on the current spectrum. And where that current spectrum... There's, there's a whole side of the American political... Uh, 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 a system that doesn't believe in science and they're they're more influenced by you know they they have more influence in the boomer generation than uh than others so it almost so i'm it, it i get, i think it brings the warmth to my heart to go oh so they don't believe this shit either <laughs> <laughs> um they just like to listen to it on fox news of the people that said they would dine in quick 37 percent they want a faster more streamlined dining experience because of this I can get that. Um, but with this here, uh, they were talking, there could be some subtle shifts where people order fewer shared plates and perhaps some more bottled canned beer over draft beer in on-premise accounts. Uh, and I know I've talked to some bars and restaurants around town and they're going to start off by doing more canned and bottled because it's a lot easier to pop the top, hand the bottle. You're never touching potentially anywhere where, the customer is going to put their mouth. Where with draft, people can be like, well, did they get that glass completely cleaned 
I mean, there's well, and by the way, I mean, as as somebody who's very conscientious, who's always been very conscientious about how he serves beer, you know, I I try, I, I, I you know, I. I I learned early in my career. Thank you know. Thankfully, I had some people who like said, "No, don't do that." Not to to really try not to touch where the customer is going to put their mouth. Yeah, hold it at the bottom. Um, but I've but having been there, I've seen a, you know a couple of things. Don't you know? Don't hold don't don't hold the glass where the customer is going to put their mouth. And for the love of God, don't submerge the uh, the fucking the, faucet. Yeah, into the beer because you don't know what's in that fucking faucet. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched a bartender at a at a bar that's been around for a while, a bartender that should know better, submerge this faucet in the beer and then hand it to me by the lip of the glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but with this here, uh, they get into it. Uh, Monday night, brewing out of Atlanta, Georgia, had sent out a survey to a bunch of their customers who had visited within the past three months. The results were very similar. Uh, if you want, take a look at the article. I'm not going to dive too deep into that. It'll be up on our Twitter feed. You can find that at It's All Beer One. We throw up all the stories there. So if you want to, if you want to, just confirmation that we aren't just you know up here, we're we are absolutely up here just spewing horseshit. But there is a source for it. Uh, the kind of crazy thing is uh, the article brings up in the first two weeks of April they pulled up the Nielsen uh, data. And found that between 60 and 70% of U.S. customers had ordered takeout. 9% had ordered a takeout or delivery that included alcohol. Uh, so about 15% of the takeout orders. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of scary part is that's actually a super similar ratio to what normally happens. Really? Um, I'm surprised because I've because I mean the, the funny thing is is that I mean for me personally. Um, we haven't changed our habits. I mean, we've, we, uh, um, you know, we've been ordering takeout about as much as we would normally go out. Yeah. And so that's obviously then, I mean, we don't do a lot of takeout, but uh, although uh, a quick side note, um, my, my wife, uh, decided to treat me, um, this last weekend from, with a meal from a restaurant nearby that I rather like that's, you know, pretty, pretty spendy, but whatever we we uh, uh ordered food i'm like going god that was actually really affordable why is it usually cost me over a hundred oh right i didn't order any alcohol and then tip and yeah <laughs> no see i tipped pretty well yeah. i mean i'm, I'm I, I tipped more than i usually do but then also you got to take into account when you order you each have two or three drinks that's gonna exactly the tip up as well as oh, add that on fair fair enough so, so 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 I I immediately got on my high horse like no 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 I'm still up to be well like no 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 you weren't drinking booze so actually the percentage is now lower you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and then you shot me off my high horse <laughs> uh, with this though uh, so they kind of sum up the article talking uh, that in the recent in the upcoming reopenings. It's unlikely that you're going to see kind of a on-premise bounce back to where it was before oh, absolutely. COVID, which I don't think anyone was yeah. expecting. Uh, but they said, given the data that they go over, getting back to 50% on-site sales in May and June would be an optimistic scenario. That's fair. Um, and outside of that, there's not a lot of positive other news. Uh, <laughs> but... I think, at, at least looking at kind of the Idaho scenario, 
I, I could see 50% June, July. I think May will be 25% or something like that. And then if we can get up to 75% in August and be back to normal by September. I mean, I think that's extremely optimistic. And again, I and maybe I'm, you know, it, two things. Number one, it's hard to know what's true because there's so much information and who knows. But I just, and it might be my my weird, anxiety-ridden, naturally pessimistic nature, but I'm like, this is eye of the storm. Hunker down, everybody. This is going to get, this shit's going to get real. But, uh, hey, uh, drink a lot more beer. <laughs> Quit drinking hard seltzer. I know you assholes are drinking hard seltzer. Stop right now and start drinking uh, beer. All right. Got okay. anything else, Jeremy? Oh, my dear God, I need another news story like this news now. <clears throat> Let me just read you this headline and tell me if it doesn't instantly improve your day. A pastor took out an ad to shame craft beer and a local bar used it to become the best beer in Texas. Yes! <laughs> I'm just going to read that again because first, joy is in such short supply and I think we could benefit for from, for one more hit. Um, and second, it actually turns out uh, this is more of a eulogy for a tap room that briefly made a splash in rural Texas and managed in the process to really enjoy, to really annoy a preacher who desperately needs a blowjob more than any man who has ever lived. So one more time, that headline, pastor took out an ad to shame craft beer and a local bar used it to become the best beer bar in Texas. So let's get in. Here's the story. And it takes place in Canyon, Texas, a place that was described by one of their county judges as the most conservative place on earth, which... Yeah, I guess that's true since the fall of Nazi Germany. Um, <laughs> this place is so uptight that they actually voted liquor sales in in 2017. Whoa! So, yeah, as in three years ago. Not, no, 103 years ago. Three years ago. You can buy liquor in Canyon, Texas. And a Fuck that shit. And a signature personality in this town is Pastor Todd Barker, a man who is very Just much... sounds like a douche. A very, he's very much a man living in the past, almost exactly 100 years in the past, it turns out. Um, he regularly preaches in the Canyon Town Square about the evils of drinking and even such signs as devilry um, that appear in the town. Um, like I said, they 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 voted in liquor... The people of Randall County actually voted that, uh, also voted in the change of Texas law. And part of the reason they did that might be because of the Imperial Tap Room, a craft beer bar that opened up in Canyon, Texas in 2016. Um, which, the fact that you could get an IPA in Canyon, Texas, I think pretty much... Before liquor? <laughs> yeah, you could get an IPA. But it means, I think you can get an IPA basically anywhere on Earth. I think you could be airdropped into, like... Uh, the middle of the rainforest of Brazil, you could probably find a tap room. He'll give you an IPA, but or a hazy, <laughs> you know. But they they got their first beer bar, the Imperial Tap Room. But Pastor Barker was not pleased. Um, he took out, and this is twenty. This happened in twenty sixteen, um, and this actually comes from a Vine Pair ad uh, just a few days ago by D Jacob Dean, um, kind of rehashing the whole thing. At first, I'm like, it's when I first saw the article, I'm like, I thought. Oh my God, is this actually happening now? Like, oh no, it's just kind of recounting a story that happened over like the course of three years. Damn. But I'm real, but I like it so much that I'm, we're, we're, I'm still going to talk about it. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, he took out this ad um, in, a, in the local paper. I'm just going to read this to you because 
It's beautiful. Do you need to stand on a soapbox first? It, it, it almost needs to be read in a certain preacher voice, so I'm going to attempt that. Craft beer is the devil's craft. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's from Peter uh, 5, 8, apparently. Jesus never drank booze. He drank the fruit of the vine. Grape juice is how they interpret that. Uh, Just hold on. Uh, hold on, hold on. The disciples never drank booze. They drank new wine. That comes from, you know, Acts 2.13. John the Baptist never drank booze. For he was great in the sight of the Lord. Luke something or other. Lot drank booze and he committed immorality and incest. He, now to be fair, the story of Lot Com meant... <laughs> commonplace back then. I mean, first of all, his daughters got him drunk and then had sex with him. But well, you he know. got raped. He's the victim here. <laughs> I'm just, the Bible is an awful book when you really get down to it. Ben-Hadad drank booze, and he lost a war against to an inferior force. I don't know what that means. Baxillan Israelites drank booze and lost their kingdom. Nabal drank booze and died from a coma. I don't think you die from a coma. I think you die from whatever puts you in the coma, but... I'll give you that one, okay? <laughs> and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. And they drank the wine and they condemned the house of the Lord. That was the ad. <laughs> okay, first off, <laughs> drinking from the fruit of the vine back then meant you drank wine because it was fermented because it killed any bacteria that would have been in the liquid. And it was safer to drink wine than it was to drink water because water usually had some sort of bacteria in it that would make you sick and fucking kill you or put you in that coma. So if he would have, he drank wine, why, how'd he go in the coma? I think he drank water. So you fucking upright, overtight, righteous ass, get <laughs> off your soapbox and fuck off. You want to know what the bar's response was? Thanks. A uh, wine sale? Please tell me a wine sale. No. Um, although they did make a little jab at his um, at his uh, his uh, mistaking the fruit of the vine for grape juice. Um, they put up a Facebook ad that basically said they would take this ad as a coupon for $1 off. Yes. Um, and by the way, you could bring in multiple uh, copies of this ad and get additional dollars off. Um, so like a dollar off a pint? Yeah. And the text said, come enjoy some devilishly tasty craft beer and or wine, parentheses, grape juice with booze in it, with us. We'll see you at the tap room. Cheers. The promotion went viral. At the same time, several local and national media outlets picked up the story, and Imperial saw a moment of national recognition. As a result, they were voted the best beer bar in Texas for 2017 and 2018. Damn. So, um, uh, and that was the through craftbeer.com that they that the voted voting went through. Um, craft beer continued to grow up to the point uh, where the Panhandle Plains Historical Museum actually hosted a craft and drafts event in 2017. Uh, Barker showed up to protest, which I'm sure was super effective. 
It's like the people protesting on Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras. Basically, yeah. I mean, anywhere you find people genuinely enjoying themselves, you find the one religious nut who's, you know, basically sitting there telling everybody there's going to hell. And, you know, again, super effective. Um, really drive that message through. <laughs> um, sadly, uh, actually, the Imperial Tap Room didn't... Uh, well, um, they actually credit the Imperial Tap Room and, you know, the, 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 the exposure they got for, um, for the an education in Randall County, which is where Canyon, Texas is located. Um, the, uh, the, the, the laws that they pushed through that we were talking, we've been talking about a lot, mm-hmm. um, including um, being able to sell growlers to go. Um, package beer. Package beer. You know, yeah, a whole bunch of those things that have basically meant that, a, you know, craft beer finally can uh, get an edge in Texas. Um, a lot of those laws pass in Randall County a lot because of uh, Imperial's sudden exposure and their work education to the public. Um, there's a hunger for craft beer in that rural spot in Texas, and it kind of came because, you know, ironically, because a, pre- a passer lost a shit. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, however, the Imperial Tap Room didn't survive long enough to take much advantage of the laws they helped craft. Um, they uh, closed their doors somewhere in 2019. Berker is still around, unfortunately. Um, he's currently encouraging his followers to uh, uh, to um, to you know uh, execute their you know use their rights during the pandemic, um, rights that apparently don't include being able to enjoy a beer without being told about Jesus. <laughs> Funny how some how some people are talking about uh, individual rights all of a sudden, and then they're like, but only in this instance. You do what I say any other time, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. But uh, about the pandemic, he goes, he wrote, there was a, a, book, a, a post for his church. If you can't meet in public, meet in secret. Do like Paul and invoke your rights as an American citizen. Um, do we, I, I feel like we need to tell him that. Um, Paul was from the Middle East. Well, I, I, I don't know if he's talking to the Apostle Paul. And so we need to, we need to uh, uh, tell him that he's not an American technically. Mm-hmm. Or he's just talking about some like gun carrying nutbag in Canyon called Paul. In which case, I mean, sure, be like Paul. Um, I the point of guess that I wa- I'm guessing he's talking about the <laughs> Apostle Paul, and he didn't realize fruit of the vine or juice of the vine was wine. Uh, so, I mean, Barker's losing, craft beer is winning, and I guess my point in even uh, like follow doing this article at all. I mean, number one, it just brought a smile to my to my face. And it got Tyler riled up, and that's always... <laughs> it's been so long since I got watched Tyler get all, like, red-faced and furious here in the beer cave. So, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just it's nice to have you back. <laughs> Jeremy likes it when I'm angry. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? If craft beer can make headway in a place that's effectively still the 20th century, and not the good part of the 20th century where we had, like, cars and shit... <laughs> <laughs> You know, the part where we, like, decided to, like, do away with booze for, like, ten years. And it created a huge illegal mob. (laughs) If that, if... if A lot of the organized crime is due to fucking prohibition, so... If craft beer can make headway in that place, it can survive this. So, that, I just wanted to leave with with that happy little thought. (laughs) And with that, uh, Tyler, you have anything to add today? I don't. 
All right. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, as always, you can find our articles on It's All Beer 1 on Twitter. Uh, we post what we're drinking and generally uh, some random stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and, of course, uh, if you have anything you want to share with us, articles that you know aren't numbers or shitty laws, <laughs> you can send those to us at, g- uh, at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And you know what? Um, leave us a review. I think I still got one of those coarse edges that um, that that no one's taking me taking us up on leaving a review for me to chug. So they're probably just gonna get poured out. But if you want to save a non-alcoholic coarse edge, actually maybe I should just like say, you leave us a review and I'll pour out a coarse edge. <laughs> I should just say, look, I'll send you like a, I'll send a video of me pouring it into the gutter where it belongs. You know, if you leave a review, we'll throw that out there. Anyway. Um, yeah, it might help, it might not. It just makes Tyler feel good about himself, because, you know, he, he needs that right now, because he's basically stocking grocery store shelves. <laughs> At 6 a.m. <laughs> and that'll be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmer. I'm going to go have a beer. Have fun.